The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to a Tip of the Cap podcast brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Tip of the Cap podcast. It is the start of season two, telling stories here on Tip of the Cap podcast. Uh, it's been a while. Last episode it was up in September when we were talking about the uh, the weight and decisions of others' alleged mistakes in light of uh, something that happened near the beginning of the NFL season last year and how it pertains to you know everyday life with you know, young athletes and the the things that they can find themselves getting into. Um, I appreciate you guys, you know, tuning in, tuning back in, coming back. It, like I said, it's been a while. It's been oh, I, almost well, more than six months now. Uh, and I do still see, you know, on the website that people tune in and, uh, you know, check out, yeah, whether it's the older episodes or re-listening to things. But, uh, you know, we are back. We're going to be... Hopefully, I'm, I'm shooting for every two weeks right now to drop a new episode just because, you know, that's what I'm I'm looking at, Rob, just with scheduling and getting, you know, getting people in and uh, my own personal schedule and stuff like that. So, uh, so first off, a little update with me and what's been going on. Uh, I don't even know if I mentioned it the last time we were on the show, but uh, as you guys, if you know me personally, um, my my everyday day job changed Um you know, I, I had worked as a corrections officer for 10, 10 plus years uh, for the county that I that I live in. And uh, enough enough was enough. It was time for a change. And some things happened in my personal life where which allowed me to actually take a step back, take a pay cut uh, and get out of a job that was absolutely, you know, just not not ideal. Uh, it put me in a bad situation um, physically, mentally, whole nine yards. It wasn't great. And uh you know, so I was able to step away from that. I was able to, you know, um, move into, I'm currently working, uh, doing, doing claims for, for an insurance company and handling claims. Uh, but with that came, you know, the, uh, some new struggles and those new struggles mainly, uh, based on my schedule, uh, right around that time in September, we were starting to kick things off, uh, with our fall season at, uh, you know, at Madai and then, um, you know, working, I went from really what I, what happened was I went from working, uh, three days a week, 40 to 48 hours in that, in a three day span. Um, and then having the other four days of the week off to catch up on sleep and do pretty much whatever else I wanted to do to working five days a week, uh, you know, eight to five and getting after it. And then, you know, right in that time, it was right into, you know, heading to fall practice. And then, you know, once fall kind of hit, it was just, you know, getting used to, uh, you know, the schedule and the, the change of uh, the hard change of lifestyle, sleeping at night, not during the day, not sleeping for, you know, chunks of 10 to 12 hours at times and getting on a regular sleep schedule and also, you know, getting, getting used to taking care of myself again, taking care of my body. Um, you know, and on top of all that, you know, uh, in the midst of planning a wedding and doing a, a whole lot of other things. So unfortunately the show had to take a little bit of a backseat, but I'm hoping to uh, get back into every two weeks here at least. 
Um, I, I think every week is a little, little bit of a lofty goal, but um, one of the other things uh, you guys aren't going to see, I know last year I did a lot of stuff with posting you know, like high school records and standings and, you know, doing players of the week and stuff like that. And, uh, that was something that, you know, when I had time to dive into those things a little bit more, I would, uh, and I did, and that's just not something I'm going to be able to accomplish this year, um, solely based on the fact of the amount of time that I have, uh, between the, you know, full tilt college season going on right now, um, you know, my working five days a week at a normal job and a couple of the other things going on in my life. Again, still planning that wedding and still going forward with, uh, you know, hats, tats, and stats, uh, common debauchery and, you know, all the other side projects that I find myself getting into, uh, doing lessons, training people, training myself, you know, uh, you know, I, I just personally, uh, got back in with the personal trainer that I worked with for a long time during my, uh, amateur MMA career. And even before that, when I was just, you know, getting into, you know, losing some weight, getting back in shape. And, um, that's been a real, you know, a, a real spark, uh, for me as well recently. So that's been really nice. And so that's, you know, the, that's, what's going on with me. I plan on having, uh, quite a few people back. I've got, uh, Dennis Crowley lined up to come back on the show and talk with me about his fight. What's he, you know, what's going on with him and, uh, ALS. I talking to a couple other guys that I've had on the show in the past to bring them back on and kind of, you know, just shoot, shoot the breeze about, uh, things going on with them, their world. Uh, and then just, uh, th this, I'm calling it season two telling stories because, uh, it's going to focus more on, you know, just, just talking baseball and telling stories and, you know, uh, if you if you listen to the show at all from episode one to episode sixty six, this being episode sixty seven, you'll know <clears throat> that there's one of my favorite parts about baseball, and one of my favorite parts about being involved in the baseball community is the it's just telling stories. It's telling the tales of where you've been, what you've done, things you've seen, and everyone has them. Whether you played through little league and some high school ball into college or any level of pro baseball, you have stories upon stories upon stories to tell. And, you know, that's, I honestly believe, you know, and truly believe that, uh, you know, we can learn from each other with talking about technique and talking about numbers and statistics and uh, philosophies and everything else. But I, I also really truly believe that, you know, you can learn a lot from people just by hearing where they've been, what they've been through and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, personally, I can tell you that that is one of the, uh, one of the ways that I learned so, so much, uh, from Rick Lancelotti, uh, 17 year pro player, pro ball player here in Western New York, uh, who does lessons and stuff. And we, I had the pleasure of working, uh, of learning from him as a player, but also working with him as, you know, a coach and <clears throat> during uh, his, his time, doing lessons and coaching for uh for team new era when i was over with them and there were times you know working during the week you know get there he's got lessons going already uh cleaning up the building he's got a break and we just end up shooting the breeze for a half hour and then going into you know the end of the night he wraps up at 10 o'clock i'm shutting the building down cleaning up and then we end up just sitting you know in back by his cage till sometimes 11 30 12 12 30 at night much to the uh displeasure at times of his family you know uh, wondering why he's getting home so late and uh definitely had to have a couple you know no no that's on me that's my fault i was uh you know i was talking to him and it was anything it was anything from stories from things that happened to him when he was playing uh be it in 
you know, the minors, a couple stints in the show, uh, his time in Japan, stuff like that, all the way up to, you know, and, and, and then including, you know, different techniques, different philosophies, stuff with hitting, stuff with pitching, stuff with the game in general. And, you know, I... I learned so much from from him and I like so many other guys just like him where you just got to sit and and, and listen and, and pick their brain and talk. Um, you know, to this day in my coaching career, I use things that I learned at coaching conferences from conversations with other coaches. And I really I really do truly believe that there is so, so much information out there that can only be passed on in casual conversation. All right, because let, let, like, let's think about this. When you when we're sitting, th- take yourself back to your high school days, if you're out of school, all right? If you're a younger player, you know, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You sit in a classroom and teacher just talks and talks and talks. At some point, unless it's something you're incredibly interested in, you just kind of tone it out. When you're in a big classroom, and, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you this from uh, my time at th- two different state schools with 120-person lecture halls, you know, it's hard to be focused and be engaged when it's a gigantic room of people. <clears throat> and that, that, that rings true with, you know, going to some of these coaching conferences and stuff. And it's a little bit different because, you know, most of the guys that goes, go to these things are, are heavy into it, are enthralled. But I've also seen guys, you know, sit in you know, these talks with these, with former players, co- current players, coaches, whatever. And they're on their phone, you know, they're on social media, they're, um, you know, they they hear the topic, they get a little bit more info on the topic, and they're like, this is malarkey, and they walk away, um, you know, five minutes into it, and, you know, there's stuff that you sit there and you, and you, you take, I, whether you agree or disagree <clears throat> with some of the things that are, are talked about or taught, I, I, I really do believe that if you take the time to listen and you know, there's a little key there of having the open mind. You'll you can pick anything up, but we also know that when you're in a gigantic room with a ton of people, uh, it does sometimes get hard. You know, it does. It is hard to stay focused. You know, it's it's hard to to stay locked in that whole time. And it's something that I think um, you know, as, as coaches, we can take away from that. And I understand that I'm sitting here talking into a microphone. I'm not having a conversation with anybody, and I'm just 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 spewing at an audience but this is like first off it's an audience that's tuning in uh because for really one of two reasons you either care what i have to say uh and have interest in the topics and and the game or you're tuning in to you know to listen to hear my voice and to you know use it in a way to try to mock me for whatever reason um and but really one way or the other you're you're listening and that's you know you're not hearing this randomly and going, I don't want to hear this. Like you're, 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 you're making the conscious choice to go to Apple or Spotify or the website or whatever and, and, and hit play and hear and hear what's happening. So that's, that's why, you know, especially coaching conferences stuff, that's, that stuff's a little bit different, but you know, as coaches, uh, I think we've gotten to, to a place where sometimes we talk too much, right? You know, we, we get into a practice setting and, you know, there's too much. All right, guys, bring it in. You know, and you you have <clears throat> sometimes you know, especially when we're talking high school. Um, you know, if your team is renting facility time anywhere, you know, you're 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 on a clock, right? You're on a you're you're in a compressed area, and you know, a compressed a compressed time frame. You don't you can't just be out there for for five, six, seven hours. So you know, maybe you have an hour to run stretch throw and then do all of your defense stuff 
and most teams worth their salt take at least 15 minutes to to run straight you know to, to to warm up and that may or may not include throwing depending upon you know how you warm up so then you got between 40 to 45 minutes to get all of your defense in and if you have a 15 minute talk with your team first now you've got a half hour Every four practices, that 15-minute talk takes an hour away of reps. And I, I think we lose that sometimes, and I'm guilty of this myself. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of, you know, at times the longer talks, the longer conversations. And it, it's something that in my personal coaching journey I've been trying to be to be far better about and just, you know, both quick hit, you know, just if you're going to bring them in, get to your point and get them back out, or – have it be a conversation. Have it be something where they engage with you. You know, I so, something I believe that we're seeing in general uh, across the game of baseball is there the the newer generation of player that's coming up from you know young college guys to high school guys to travel players into middle schoolers on down is kind of a lack of baseball sense. We're 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 programming robots, and what what I mean by that is. They need to be told what to do, right? When you go on your computer, your computer just doesn't do stuff for you, right? You have to tell it to turn on. You have to tell it to open a program. You have to type the words on the screen. And that gets tough when we're talking baseball players. And, you know, I I, I joke around about uh, a young man that I used to coach years ago. And it's more just that kind of coaching talk where we, we would joke around that this guy, you know, big, strong kid, a lot of talent, and you know, I I used to tell him that he had what I called the the flagrant system error face, and what that was, you know, he he knew what to do, you know, he knew how to throw, he knew what to throw, he you know more often than not was doing his you know doing his thing with you know with the catchers throwing pitches whatever you know whatever it was that he 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 was doing that day playing first playing third until something weird happened. You know, and the only way I could describe the young man's thought process was, all right, I'm going to I'm going to step on the mound. I'm going to look into the catcher. The catcher's going to give me a sign. I'm going to acknowledge the sign. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to rock, lift, throw, and he's either going to hit the ball or the ball's going to go into the glove. And then one time he hit the barrel. He just lost one up and in. The kid ducked and it hit the barrel of the of the hitter's bat. Like right, just caught it square and went fair. And fairly hard. Like enough that it was gonna be a tough play for the catcher. And because I mean the ball really almost made it back to the mound. And the kid just had this blank look on his face like that's not supposed to happen. The runner the 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 hitter's running to first. And you know we're like we're screaming, what, what? We got to get get up, what? And it we got it. He ended up getting the out, but it took him a minute to process the. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to get the sign, rock, lift, throw, and it's either a swing, and a miss, a swing and a hit, or the ball hits the glove. He didn't swing. The ball hit the barrel, and it's rolling toward me. What happened? And he just it took him a minute to like uh. And, you know, that was one kid, a very 
you know, in particular, that was one one young man who, you know, but and he was the kid that every single step of his day was program was was on a piece of paper for him. It was, you know, your alarm goes off at five thirty, you wake up, you go downstairs, you eat breakfast from six thirty to six forty five, then you get in the shower from six forty five to seven o'clock. At you know you have from seven o'clock to seven oh seven to get dressed, from seven oh seven to seven fifteen to gather your stuff for the day. At seven fifteen you start your piano lesson. At you know that goes till eight o'clock. At eight o'clock you get in the car, you go to school. Here's your school schedule and what you're doing every you know. And then from there we're gonna you know you're picked up at this time. And that was his day. It was mapped out to the minute every day of his life. So much so we found this out because one of our first tournaments with him. You know, we we took the guys down to uh, we were we were playing at a, a small college in Pennsylvania, and we took them down to the rec room of the dorms. Right, we took all the kids down there, and they, you know they had pool tables, they had table tennis, they had video games, they had a big screen TV with a bunch of DVDs and stuff. And we we're like, have fun, just go, do whatever. The coaches were all sitting at a table, just talking. You know, these guys are thirteen, and they're all running around being goofballs and having fun. And this kid's just kind of stand there looking around, like, not really knowing what to do, not really knowing, like, just awkwardly, like, looking around. And, <coughs> excuse me, he, uh, we, we looked and we're like, hey, bud, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I, I, I don't know, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, having fun, doing whatever you want. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean? What do we mean? And it, it took the kid a minute to to process the fact that he, the only thing he was there to do was be a kid and have a good time. And, you know, he played table tennis with a couple of the guys and he loved it and he had a blast and he, you know, he, he never had a point in his schedule where he didn't have what he was supposed to be accomplishing planned out for him, including his time to enjoy and have fun. And it was like, Oh, here, like, this is the time to play your, you know, you have 45 minutes to play your game boy. Like, it, like that was planned for him. And we're like, yeah, dude, you can do whatever you want. Like, and at, at one point the guys came over and like, hey, coach, can we put on a movie? And we put on a movie for him. I don't remember. We found a movie that was age appropriate and, you know, but still it wasn't, you know, we're not watching a Disney movie necessarily with a bunch of 13-year-old baseball players. And we put it on for him. And, you know, the guy started like nodding off a little bit. We had played two games that day. We had, you know, we had a great day. You know, but it was it was hot. They were, you know, they run around. They were kind of like, and you could see them all kind of downshifting. Except this one kid who just sat there with this huge smile on his face, just intent on the movie the whole way. And he was like, "I've never done anything like this before." And it was just so fascinating. And like again, this is just one kid, right? And this is just one young man. And that's a little bit of an extreme where every every second of every day is planned. But you know, as coaches, I think we've gotten to a point, especially in the younger age groups, where you know, because of time constraints at practices, because of, you know, the way things go, we we script a lot. And I don't think we mean to. I don't think it's something that is necessarily a an intentional thing. I just think it's, you know, it. we try to get practice plans down to the minute to maximize the amount of time we have in whatever space we're using until we can get outside. And then, you know, and then, and then I think we all see that hard downshift in practice where, on-field BP takes forever and it's hard to make it where you know you got more than just one guy taking swings and hopefully it's you know you can keep it quick between six to eight swings and move to the next guy to keep things moving a little bit but you know it's just it really is one of those things where 
what that what happens is in games we then wonder why the kids aren't thinking for themselves you know why things look like they are waiting for you know to be told to be you know to have the computer buttons pushed to say this is what you do when this happens and you know it, you you can see it in guys that don't know the situation you can see it in guys that um you know you have to tell them things 5 6 7 times and it still may not register and that's because you know they were i whether they were told or not told, like they they either know the wrong thing or don't know at times, um, you know, and it's one of those things where you have almost have to deprogram them a little bit to learn the game and learn the flow and be become reactionary to what's going on in the world around them because it's hard to play baseball as a robot. It really, really is, um, you know, and and I think especially in training. You know, we we get to a point where we we cookie cutter kids a little bit and we we get them into a you know, a robotic mode of this is what you do every single time. This is what it looks like every single time. And that's never, ever, ever been true in baseball. We need things to look similar. We need, you know, there, there are certain things that we need to, you know, that we need in certain places. But as far as, you know, this is where your glove goes 100% of the time. Yeah, you know, And I think that's something we need to get away from. I think it's, you know, it's detrimental to to player development, especially because you look at the guys that are excelling. You look at the guys that are at the top of, you know, the top of their class, the top of you know, whatever rankings you want to look at. The guys that are, you know, excelling through the, the, you know, through high school, into college, into pro ball and into the show. They're not robotic at all. They're loose. They're athletic. M- most of them are jacked out of their minds these days. Um, you know, shedding an entirely different light on the entire concept of, uh, weight room and training for, for baseball athletes, you know, back, back, you know, you don't lift in season, you don't lift heavy. And now, you you know, we see these guys that are just unbelievably jacked and it started back in the steroid era. And, but I mean, now, you know, even now it's, you know, look, look at Trout and Otani. Those dudes are ripped. They're huge. They're built like brick crap houses. And, you know, all of these things, but, you know, the thing that none of these guys are is robotic. You know, not, not a single one of them have this robotic programming to them. They're, they, they think elite, they move elite and, you know, we need to get, get young men and, you know, softball, young women, young athletes just to do the same thing. We have to start unprogramming these kids and letting them learn the game and, Part of that is having conversations. Part of that is, you know, telling stories about things and, and sharing information. And another part of it is, you know, letting them make mistakes at younger ages. You know, letting them, you know, letting them think for themselves, even if they the thought is wrong. Because here's the thing, and I have kind of harped on this a little bit on the show, and I'm going to dive into it a little bit more. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk for much longer. Again, you guys know that these solo episodes for me are usually between 20 and 30 minutes. Because let's be honest, it's way more interesting when I have guests on. It's way more interesting. A, a it helps me stay on track with my thought process. I'm a little scatterbrained in solo episodes, but uh, you know I try to keep it short. So we're going to dive into this. The point of baseball from t-ball. We're not going to talk about eight U travel and seven you travel that we're seeing these flyers for but the the point of baseball at you know t-ball to eight nine ten eleven twelve is one to learn to love the game and to be involved in the game and have a good time it's a great time to be you know play with your buddies and you know it's one thing if your kid is bored because you know the league he's in is not good the team he's on is not good 
and you're looking for a change of scenery for something to challenge him more it's that you know that, that's the same thing like a kid in school who's just bored because he's just like the the work's not challenging i get that you know 12 you you know we're going to cooperstown or we're trying to make a push for the little league world series it gets a little bit more competitive and then 13 you and i know that i know for fact that this is true at 13u in this in the western new york area 13u baseball is ugly 13u baseball looks a lot like 9u baseball with the kids being a little bit bigger and the, the the fences being further away and that's exactly what it is because we get to that point where you know we we don't train to develop at 10 11 and 12 we train to win right we train our team to win ball games and then the stuff that we train them to do at 12 doesn't work at 13 because of the jump in the diamond size you know that that ball that reaches that that fence at 200 feet isn't a home run anymore it's a routine flyout you know the the kid that was just being able just was just able to throw fastballs by people because he was just in a good spot on the small diamond doesn't work anymore you know the the, the things that you get away with on the small field don't always translate so 13 you is ugly <clears throat> so then we get to but at thirteen U, we're talking high school baseball now too. We're start, starting to talk about getting into your high school programs, and they're really like this. Really needs to be part of the conversation when you go to a travel program. Is what are you looking to get out of the travel program? Are you looking for development? Are you looking for you know recruiting? Are you looking to have fun and play with your buddies? Are you looking to win? And there are teams that hit a couple of those, you know, and can hit more than one, two, three of them. Very few, if any, in the Western New York area really hit all four. And and and, uh, and uh, that's not a knock on anybody, and please don't take it that way, but it, it, it's tough to find a competitive team that helps you get recruited, that develops you, and you're playing with your buddies. And that it, it's that last one. Like, you become friends with the guys on your team, but very rarely are you playing with guys that you grew up with on those teams because at some point you all probably separated yourself in some way, shape or form. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, you, you do become tight with those guys that you play with, you know, you end up with lasting friendships, but we know we're not talking about like, Oh, you know, this team was together since they were 10 years old and, you know, he's playing with his friends because we all know that's a thing. We all, but that's also very different. And what you want to do should really depend on the team you go to and the program you play with. You know, and here's one of the things that drives me nuts. When you call yourself a developmental program or you call yourself a showcase team and all and all you really ever focus on is winning. Winning should be a byproduct of having talented players playing the game well. Really, and, and that's really what the whole thing is. Winning should be the byproduct. If you're, if you call yourself a developmental program, if you call yourself a, um, you know, a showcase team, whatever it may be, like the the goal should be to develop ball players to a point where the team as a whole has success because they've trained and developed to a to a talented level. And it shouldn't be about winning. And when you call yourself a high school showcase team, at that point. Local tournaments to compete against local competition to show off, great. But at that point, like you should be looking to go to showcase tournaments. Showcase is not a level of play. It is a type of play when you talk about a showcase tournament. 
It is going to a, a tournament that is going to be scouted, a tournament that is going to be recruited from, where you are playing to show off in front of college scouts, where the wins and losses don't necessarily matter. You're there to show off. You're there to play as good as you can play against other solid competition who's looking to make it to the next level. And that's hard for people to swallow sometimes. Yes, you play to win. Winning winning matters. And listen, everyone loves to win. But when you want to get recruited, you know, some of the stuff that we, you know, that college coaches look at, and this is, you know, fairly new information to me as well, is, yeah, it's great to post the video of the home run. But one of the things that, you know, it gets looked at is like, who are you playing? Like, how is that guy throwing? Is that a batting practice fastball? You know, is that, are, are you a 17 year old kid that just took somebody throwing 65 deep or are you being challenged? You know, are, are you playing against other guys? Which is why, you know, as much as people still to this day don't see value in uh, like PBR showcases, perfect game showcases, the reason those things have success and the reason those things are, are leaned on by colleges is because you can look at, you can look things up and say like, okay, hey, who, like, who is this kid hitting off of when he hit that bomb? And you can see their numbers. You can compare it to the level of play that you're recruiting them for because, yeah, it's all well and good if you're, you know, hitting 500 for power, but who are you doing it against? You know, there are plenty of kids out there that could have absolutely insane numbers against weaker competition. And if you're not challenging yourself, you don't know what you're going to, what you're, you know, where you're going to go. And then, you know, sometimes those are the guys that end up going into high school and then going into college with an expectation of what they're able to do until they see the next level. You know, you, and I'm not, listen, high school is not necessarily the next level. There are very blatantly players on every team that are very, very talented. There are very blatantly teams that are incredibly talented. Um, you know, look no further than the, uh, the Class A crossover game last year between Iroquois and Hamburg. Holy cow, was there some talented ball players on, on those rosters. You know, uh, pretty much any two teams that end up at the end of the double, uh, the, the, in the double-A sectional finals are usually just chalked full of future college ball players, And it's just one of those things that, you know, on those teams, you don't get to pick who plays. You don't get to pick or have a say on who's on the team. You have to show out and have a coach acknowledge that. And yes, I do know that there are situations where it, you know, there's politics involved. I do know, I, you know, and, and that is always going to be a thing that's true in travel ball too. So I don't want to hear that side of the argument. It's just one of those things where, you know, at some point you have to challenge yourself. If that's what you want, if you want to dominate and you want to win a lot of games, you can find teams at levels to do that. If you want to challenge yourself and you want to see what you're going to do and what your potential is for the next level, there's ways to do that too. And really what you need to do. And, you know, this is really a a conversation for going into next year, you know, and looking at what you just went through, whether your kid is 10 or your kid is going to be a senior is what are you getting out of what you're paying for in your, in your, in your program? Couple practice once, maybe twice a week, large groups, Coach kind of sits there like, yeah, go hit, just go hit, take reps, go hit. Are you getting weight training out of it? Are you getting one-on-one or small group attention out of it? How many reps are you getting? If, you know, you got 30 guys sharing two cages for an hour, yeah, you're probably not getting a ton of reps. Are you okay with that? Or are you just in it to have fun, hang out with your buddies, talk, and then take some cuts? Or 
you know, are you trying to develop? Are you trying to win? You know, the the guys that have success, and this is this is where I'm going to wrap this up. The guys that have success at the next level are the guys who do the work from the end of the fall season to the start of the spring. We know you're going to work. Like if you're in college, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to work and you're going to stick around or you're not and you're going to fizzle out because at some point you're going to say, okay, this is kind of a waste of my time. And that's not a knock. That's not, that's just a fact. That's just what happens. And the guys who kind of get shocked are the guys who maybe they have a good fall. You know, you're, you're at it three, four, five times a week, depending upon your schedule, you know, plus, you know, early work, extra work on days off, you know, when you and the boys head to the field, take some, you know, take some hacks in the cages, take some hacks, you know, on field, whatever it may be, you know, and you're feeling good about yourself. And then the end of October hits and the end of October, November, December, and January come through. And what you do in those months determine what you're going to do when you step back into the gym or on the field in February or in March. <clears throat> and what that means is, you know, there are guys who, who, who go through the fall, they, they feel good, they feel great, and they do the bare minimum. And then they show up in the spring and they see all these dudes who worked. And you then like you start and, and the guys who did the work are the guys who have success. And the guys that, you know, a coach can look at and say, I will like you may not be as good as the other guy yet, but I'm gonna probably trust you a little bit more because I know that you're gonna do what you need to do to get to where you need to be. Um you know, you you need to you need to put the grind in. One of the best examples of this that I can I can I can tell you is, you know, knowing a uh, young man named Max playing his last year at Niagara and his goal was to make it to the next step. And he put in work like you would not believe. He was with uh, the boys at Hot Corner doing everything he possibly could. Hitting, running, lifting, throwing, everything. He was putting in work. And go take a look. He's having a pretty pretty solid start to his season so far. Hitting bombs every, like, oh, oh feels like every game feels like once a game you see the tweet that max you know max went deep again that's the like if you want to get to another level that's the stuff you have to do you have to dedicate to it you have to get after it and you know who you work with where you work out how you work out and the things you focus on all of that matters and we can't get to that point if these if if you're programmed to just do what you're told and nothing more Right. And so there's a long, long winded way to wrap this up and tie it all together. But uh, I'm pumped to be sitting here talking baseball with you guys again. I am having a great time. Uh, it's good to be back. Thanks for tuning into the episode, uh, the first episode of season two, episode 67 of Tip of the Cap podcast. I am Coach Jaws. Thanks for joining me. If anyone wants to join me on the show at any point, just to talk, tell stories, and just shoot the sh- uh, shoot the breeze. Uh, let me know. Reach out. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Tip of the Cap Pod. You can find me on Facebook, Tip of the Cap Podcast. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I believe it's Tip of the Cap 716, maybe. Um, I will look that up because I'm going to have to put it in the bio of the show here. However, um, you know, reach out or you can find me on, if you know me personally, you can reach out on any of the uh, Tip of the Cap 716 on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me or you know, reach me on any social media personally. If you have my number, feel free to reach out there as well. Um, my number is also listed down below in the uh, in the, the in the bio thing for every episode. So 
Um, you know, reach out. Let me know if you want to come on, talk baseball, shoot the shit, uh, tell stories, whatever you want to do. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Tip the cat part of the BICBP Radio Network, BICBP-radio.com. And, um, yeah, check out our sponsor, Stinger Sports. Uh, tip of the cap for 15% off, or uh, sorry, 10% off your order. Uh, there's also a promo code down below if you want to click that as well. Like, follow, share, subscribe, tell your friends, and uh, I'm going to try out a new a new send-off um, for, the, for the end of the show here. So thanks for tuning in to Tip of the Cap Podcast, and this episode is out of here. The Tip of the Cap Podcast is brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great.